This episode of the Asians Represent podcast is brought to you by the One Shot Podcast Network and our amazing supporters on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash aznsrepresent for extended audio, extended video clips, and exclusive show notes. First of all, I absolutely loved this conversation with Stefan, Wally, Liana, and Emma. Again, deeply personal, but also very educational discussion about representation in anime. Uh, second shout out is to Navar. Navar was with us on episode 60 of the podcast, but could not make it to this recording. So I wanted to uh, shout out Navar because Navar's input was very helpful in the creation of this episode. Check out the Secret Nerd podcast. And then third, Liana's got a game on Kickstarter right now. Uh, Liana, you may have heard me talk about it a lot, but Liana has been really working hard on a game called Valor. Valor is an anime-inspired TTRPG, uh, and it is just an incredible system. If you like some mild crunch, if you love anime, if you like dynamic combat, check it out. The second printing is on Kickstarter right now until October 24th, 2022. It is so close to being fully funded, so please head to Kickstarter and check that out. Now that said, let's get into the episode. episodes episode 60 of Asians Represent, we talked about sort of the black nerd experience. We talked about, you know, positive representation. And specifically, we talked, we spent a lot of time, like 40 minutes, talking about Piccolo, which I thought was really great. And I know it was a meaningful conversation because the first comment on the YouTube video when we put it out was a racist one, uh, which means that we're going in the right direction. Because when you anger the racists, it means you're probably saying the right thing. Um, we also, and I was just looking at my like bookshelf, and I'm like, oh look, we talked about Chad from from Bleach, uh, which was honestly like a great conversation. Because in the moment when we were talking about it, when I brought up the character, I was like, I know this character's not black, even though we were kind of focusing on that for the episode. But when you folks. And um, and Navarre couldn't join us for today, but when you folks were talking about how it is the perspective of the outsider and it is one that everyone can align with and relate to, I felt comforted in in having brought up that character because the conversation around Chad I thought was really great and I thought really served as a good companion to why Piccolo has been adopted by the Black community and why Chad was so appealing as like, hey this is the outsider and their experiences are very similar to ours uh, and kind of shows that these communities can all sort of deal with just being eyed and being looked at and being kind of just treated differently. Now for this episode of Asians Represent, we're going to follow up on that and answer the questions that our patrons asked that we did not touch on last time because as Emma pointed out in our sort of pre-show sort of um, sort of lobby, we kind of just like get really into what we're talking about. And, and I think that's a part of the appeal of the show. Uh, but the topic was so important that it, it warranted a second episode. So for this episode, again, I just want to kind of step back and say, this is what we're going to talk about. In the previous one, we talked about good things. We talked about Piccolo. We talked about Chad. We touched on some you know, bad things where like Yasuke went wrong. And kind of gave everyone a primer on like, hey, this is what we mean when we're talking about anime and why we think that the label of anime can be 
kind of reductive to the overall conversation of representation, uh, particularly when we were talking about the shortcomings of Yasuke and shows like Cyber Six. And honestly, it made me really happy to see how many people responded to my tweet about Cyber Six and how many people in the chat who watched it live were like, oh my God, Cyber Six. Like, I literally have the Cyber Six theme song in my, in my head right now. That show is awesome. <laughs> so I'm glad we got to do all of that. Now for this one, we need to talk about the misrepresentation of marginalized characters in anime and, and manga, as I have some manga on my desk right now. And to set a baseline, I want to make sure that when we're talking about misrepresentations, poor representation, we're not only just talking about like gross caricatures. Because when I was doing some research, Sister Crone was like, I cannot believe that is from like a, a, a current series. Um, that, that really caught me off guard, but we're not only just talking about those gross characters that kind of bring out that like cringe and like, oh my God, I, negative reactions, but we're also talking about really reductive portrayals of characters. So we're talking about those characters that serve as a stereotype, whether it be visual narrative or, or that trope, because I mean, black exploitation characters and characters inspired by the black exploitation films without any of that context of the black exploitation genre are seen in anime to this day. So when we're talking about misrepresentations, when we're talking about bad representation, we are talking about a spectrum of kind of that goes from reductive all the way to just gross and overtly racist. Now, before we dive into any of the questions, because we have sort of five talking points that we're going to go after, I wanted to kind of start by asking our Resident scholars, actually, we have two scholars. Um, we have the, I will say, Stefan, I'm very, uh, I'm very um, proud to know you, but also I deeply respect how much you engage with folks on Twitter because I can't, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I get it. <laughs> Um, sometimes I get frustrated with them too, and sometimes I experience burnout just like everyone else. Uh, but, uh, you know, I try on some, I mean, there are some people out there that just, you know, you can't, you're not going to reach no matter what. Um, and those people, I'm like, whatever. Uh, but I try and, and at least engage with some people, um, at least on some level, in the hopes that even if I don't, you know, get across to them, if I can just like, put a little bit of a, 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 a seed, you know, um, that maybe may grow later or, or, or more importantly, um, what I really hope overall is those people that are speaking up are probably the ones that are really vocal. They're really committed, convicted in their beliefs. But what I really hope is it's the ones who are in the middle, who are maybe on the fence, who aren't saying anything, who maybe read those engagements and maybe are shifted some. Um, it, it, it's kind of something you'll never know uh, whether or not it worked, but I hope that uh, I like to think that maybe there's a few people out there who are just quietly reading these things and going, Oh man, you know, never thought about it that way. And um, I'll just, yeah. uh, whether or not, whether or not that's true, I'll just maintain that illusion. It's interesting. Cause I hear, a, I hear a lot of people who say like, and 
comments by white, by generally like white white people white families so when they're talking about like their their super conservative racist uncle it's like you 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 still have to argue with him not because you're going to change his mind but because you're going to set the example for like nieces and nephews other family members who aren't saying anything yeah it's like it's someone like, has to stand up to that yeah like it's like when people like let their relatives say those things it's like you're letting them say that. I mean, yeah. I get their family, but you're letting them say that. Are you going to at least say something to them? Even, even, even. Yes. Also, you want to set the standard for your younger for your younger relatives, but also it's kind of like sticking to your own guns as a person. You know, like you know, hey, like mm-hmm. cut no corners. It don't matter who you are. You're gonna get that clap back. You know, even if you are my best friend, I'm gonna be like, hey, you're my best friend, but you can't say that stuff. Yeah. yeah, and absolutely. I think that's a huge part, like letting people know that, you know, at least, uh, you know, on some level, again, letting them know that that stuff's not OK. Uh, there are just people out there with like so. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, uh, 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 I was chuckling over your post the other day, Daniel, where you were like, I made it. I made it on the red list. And, oh, yeah, um, I did. I was like, I was like laughing. And, you know, you look at that thing. And you realize that here's this, you know, this list that's out there that people are, are I'm sure, aware of. And if you're not, uh, oh, goodness. We'll, we'll put but, some contact um, into it, yeah. But uh, the, the, um, the fact that, you know, we're dealing with people now who, if you look at that list, equate Black Lives Matter and wokeness with actual professed Nazis, both on the red list, and it's like, and well, and 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 Antifa all lumped into the same like thing, and and this is not, again, this is not new, right? Like today, you will hear people say, even conservatives will 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 speak, particularly about Martin Luther King, is like his is the example to follow, right? He's the one you 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 should all be following in your protest. He was peaceful. And all of these other things like that, right? Um, and, and you even get that from conservatives. But at the time, he is decried in newspapers, right? He is the, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference that Martin Luther King led and the, uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, or SNCC, and the Black Panthers, all of those are considered Black nationalist hate groups by the FBI. Well, didn't he have like a 60, 70 percent uh, disapproval rating in the U.S. Oh, when he was assassinated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally he, he, also, he came he out and <laughs> yeah, he came out and when he delivered his his sermon called Beyond Vietnam, the uh, um, the, the he, he gives this speech and it kind of decries like he basically said that I can no longer, you know, essentially said I can't speak out against the violence of a young black man in the northern ghettos if I don't decry the violence of the largest purveyor uh, or the, or the, the largest purveyor of violence on earth, my own government, you know, he talks about if burning down a building is immoral, you know, if damaging property is immoral, then what is dropping napalm on people? Mm -hmm. And the day after he said that 168 news national newspapers across the country come out decrying him with articles about, you need to be quiet, stay in your lane, you know, all of those things that, 
you know, if somebody says something today, they hear the same thing. Stay in your yeah. lane. You don't know what you're talking about. It, like, it, 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 <coughs> it's, it, it's like, and it's funny when you were, when you showed us that list, it's like, it just reminds me of that one quote from community. Like the whole entire list is like that one quote community. It's like, you know what? I can, to- I, can I can tolerate racism, I but I cannot racism. stand animal cruelty. And it's like, wait a minute. Hold you, up. Hold on a second. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like now, this list is like, wait, but. You're- now that said, before we, before we go too far to this rabbit hole, <laughs> before we go too far to this rabbit hole, the, the reason why we brought up scholarship um, was because I wanted to introduce Stefan, who has clearly demonstrated why one of the reasons why he's here. Stefan also a great orator, but also a scholar uh, of, um, of the issues that we're going to be talking about today. And the other scholar that I had mentioned, Emma, also here. Now, Emma, you are not as active on Twitter. But I'll say <laughs> <Yeah>. that your, <laughs> but I'll say that your presence is very much felt behind the scenes of this community, and has certainly sent ripples throughout our community and beyond. And I know that mm-hmm. you are working on a lot of projects behind the scenes that will have just as great an impact as Stefan's impact, because all of us bring positivity and change very differently, whether it be in the two other avenues that. The two other guests are in. If you're uh, present in a lot of streamed programming like Wally, if you are a talented voice actor, if you're a talented role player and storyteller, you being on screen is important. The characters that you make are important. The perspective that you bring here today is also going to be very different from Emma and Stefan's, which is also going to be very important to understanding why these sorts of misrepresentations representations happen. And the other end of it, you have folks like Liana, who are producers of content. You are making games. You are hiring people. You are putting on streamed shows. You are sponsoring streamed shows. You are being conscious about the art that you have in your book and how characters from different walks of life are being represented in your game, Valor. Um, And of course, Wally and Liana are both like huge anime fans, which is why one of the main drivers to bringing you on in the first place alongside scholars because we have this mixed perspective. Now that said, in the last episode, we talked about, we mentioned at the very end, this idea of the American cultural exports of racism and how they hurt anime as a medium. That is the topic of this episode. And I gave it some thought and I said, why do we have this sort of normalized portrayal of characters of like of black characters and other marginalized folks in anime and manga. And I did a lot of research and then the answer that I found, at least one of the simplest answers that I found that could be put in a tweet, um, because I think about that a lot because a lot of people are like, I don't want to watch all of you just, I don't want to watch a two hour podcast. I don't want to watch 40 hours of you reading oriental adventures just tell me in 240 characters why it's racist first of all the answer is never that simple but in kind of doing some research about sort of how anime is hurt as a medium by these really racist portrayals i found this video and it was a i'll put it in the show notes but they had interviewed a whole bunch of influencers who are black and in the anime and manga sort of industry And they said, being a black fan of anime is like in one scene, being super happy and elated and cheering 
and then having to feel super dejected in the next. Oh. And that really hit me because I was like, that is last episode summarized in a single sentence. Yeah. Yeah. And And then they were talking about how the reason, one of the reasons, and one of probably the most pervasive reason why these portrayals still exist is because of early Japanese access to Western media and how Western media portrays black people. If we think about early Disney and Warner Bros., and it really hurt to go and look all of that up today because I'm, you know, health issues, but also like, I want to see this. I want to feel this. I want to see where this is coming from. And the conclusion I came to was in the West, our racism is kind of brought to the forefront in the media that we kind of put out there. And then that racism is consumed without the same sort of context by folks in other countries who then have this idea of, hey, this is what these people look like. And I want to, maybe for completely different in, you know, like intentions, include a character like that in my series. And then a series maybe blows up or gets really popular or becomes very influential in the scene. And then we see these portrayals, these tropes, kind of proliferate across all of these different series. And I wanted to ask not only our scholars, but also our fans, if that's a fair assessment to kind of set I, a baseline for the rest of the episode. I I think that is, I think that is very fair assessment because really I've always felt like when it came to um, like the, the harmful portrayal of people of color in anime, like it always just loops right back to Western animation and how at the time when anime was being made, they were looking to the West for their inspiration, just kind of like how the West was looking to the East for inspiration. The West, they were looking to the West, they saw their animations like, yeah, that's how they do it. That This must work. That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? So because that is what was done at the time, it kind of goes back to what Stan Lee always says. He says, characters in Marvel are based on what we looked out the window. And that's what they were doing. They were looking out the window and seeing the status of animation at the time and seeing how like characters like us were being portrayed in media. And they're like, yeah, this makes sense. Let's just go with it. And you don't, and then when you, and then it stays there, it just perpetuates within the culture. It doesn't, because they're not going to see it as a bad thing because they're going, yeah, this is what's popular. And then it perpetuates in the culture because a lot of times with anime, a lot of these guys, if they're legacy creators, they stay in the industry. They don't just make one movie and dip. They stay in there. So the techniques they have, their writing techniques, the story beats, it is ingrained into the culture so much that everyone, someone else is going to look at it. It's like, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this. And I'm going to use this. And they don't realize that they are perpetuating something very bad and very hurtful in other cultures because they're going, oh, but Tezuka did a great series with with a character in blackface but the series is amazing but the characters in blackface but that that's not a bad thing right and we're going no yes it is it is a very much a bad thing but they're looking at like but it's but it's, look at it's sales physical. numbers exactly that's what they're looking at this, hey, this is Toriyama, i have to mr popo yep. Yeah, exactly. Like they're looking at that and going, "That's that's that is how I can become popular." And I'm I hate to say this, guys. Look at the first three volumes of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That shit is wild, problematic. All right, 
like actually even even your precious even your precious stand stuff the my man's name is abdul his name is abdul like they spell it as a v d o l but yeah it's supposed to be pronounced that way you had a character in in part two called Smokey, who was a little black kid that they found in Harlem, and he was never seen again until the end of it. It's there's a lot of like racist stuff in it, but at the same time, Iraqi was kind of like shining a light on what media was like back at this time. But at the same time, he was doing a lot of stuff that was like you're kind of leaning hard into how people view people of color at the same time. Yeah, I think you I think you have to look at a couple of different things that kind of go beyond um, just like uh, uh, this genre. Right. The first thing is, is that Hollywood is and remains the dominant uh, purveyor of entertainment globally. Right. Everyone around the world is looking to Hollywood. Right. For inspiration um, across the board. Um, And that continues to this day. And I think uh, the other thing you touched on uh, that both of you touched on is that ideal of cultural context, right? A lot of people in Asia do not have the cultural context to understand why these things are problematic. Um, You know, we've had, there was just another one here recently. I don't know how many um, uh, K-pop stars who have gotten into trouble for uh, wearing braids or wearing swastikas or uh, uh, doing all of, of these other things. Right. And like, and then there's there's kind of a reverse thing of that, right? Like a lot of people like have this idea that because of what happened that the Nazis invented the swastika, not realizing that it appears in indigenous cultures in the Americas and in cultures across Asia um, long before the Nazis screwed it up for everybody, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it's but, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's... Um, so you see it appear, but again, people, the problem is that where it becomes problematic is you see like a K-pop star in this kind of Nazi looking uniform with a swastika on it. Right. And they're doing that or, or a death's head skull or something. And they're doing that without the cultural context because they see a picture of something and they think it looks cool. They see someone in a video, an American video with, uh, with cornrows or braids and they think it looks cool. Right. They don't have uh, those cultural contexts to understand why that's problematic and why uh, um, that is. And, and it, gets, it gets very dicey, right? You hear people um, fly into a thing of like, well, this particular you know, uh, movie that is made in China or made it is a white savior narrative. And I'm like, well, we got to kind of back up sometimes and stop having this kind of paternalistic global policing attitude that America is famous for and say, well, just because there's a white person in this movie and just because there was a white person playing a particular role, that movie was made by a Chinese director. It's got an otherwise all Chinese cast. We don't get to say, Hey, you can't have white people in your movie because you're, because you're, uh, you're an Asian director. Right. Um, we really need to uh, sometimes assess these things. Obviously, we have those reactions, like based on our experiences here in America, right, in our cultural context. But sometimes we need to take a pause and take a step back and say, well, 
is this really where we where we uh, need to be applying these things or expending these things? Because again, I think for a lot of times it becomes again this very kind of paternalistic world police kind of like, well, we've we've reached this level of of awareness in America, and so everyone should be where we are. And and that's that's just not the case, right? Like cultures and societies are going to develop at, at different rates, and even though we have this like global cultural thing. And that's not to say that we shouldn't call these things out and discuss them um, and, and have conversations about them and, and try and make other people aware. But sometimes I think it goes a little bit over overboard in trying to force other societies and other cultures into um, these things that we're aware of. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you make about the sort of um, the centralizing effect that that our um, – our sort of global media consumption has because we think like oh my perspective must be the global perspective um, mm-hmm. that's a really good point that you kind of bring into this like so we've got like the idea of cultural exchange without context we've got the idea of bringing judgment in maybe less than a culturally relative way uh, which is why it actually I think the point one of the points you're trying to make is that it's really difficult to do it in a tweet when you have yeah. to have a long form conversation about context. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, yes. Now I know Emma, you also like you teach a course like this at the university level about yeah. portrayals. Um, I actually, it's, I didn't intend on doing this, but uh, I, I have, so I have Shaman King volume 10 on my desk. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. And I, I brought it out because I thought that it was a really good example of the opposite of, the East sort of bringing something from the East into the West and learning something new because Shaman King was actually where I first learned about the Ainu because of one of the main characters is an Ainu character. But at the same time, Shaman King also from what I've understood really embodies that these characters are awesome. I'm loving these moments. And then, Oh my God, Chaco love is a character. It, and that's it's, character. It, it, it's Shaman King is that series that goes, you like, Oh, we thought you being woke, but like, oh no, you're not. No. Yeah, and I think. All right, there's a lot. Did the new anime kind of like really try and tone that down? It, it, it kind of did. It kind of did. It, but it, I, I like, want to hear what I want to hear Emma's yeah. point. Yeah, right, sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot going on in my brain right now because <laughs> <laughs> there are not things that need to be balance like Stefan said we still need to call these things out but there are considerations for Japan that I think get swept aside especially from a North American perspective looking to criticize what Mm -hmm. they're doing part of that is like critical race theory is not a thing in Japan because critical race theory is based on like black American experience and history and the politics and so a lot of that's missing but also even outside of anime and manga, there are, and you can totally see this within both of those, though, is there are particular caricatures, highly exaggerated. There are character types. And I think for a lot of creators, the character, the Black character has become a type. And so they totally take all of those stereotypes and that 
and we can't just blame America for this, even though American pop culture definitely kept it going for a very long time. Uh, but one of the other things that I've been thinking about here is just how far back some things go and that there was already very fertile ground for some of these characterizations and stereotypes. And it's not all just American. It's not all just Western. Um, although clearly those are very big recent ones, but there's a lot to be said for a more transnational and very international perspective on blackness that we see in places like Japan. <laughs> and it's not all just from coming from the U S so some things to consider is that Japan was for a very long time and still you'll see some of the really nationalist people pick this up too. They were really involved with the idea of like a civilized core and an uncivilized periphery, which they adopted from China. So <laughs> this has, this goes way back. And one of the ways that they would gauge civility or like level of civilization was skin color. So we get a lot of colorism across Asia that is separate of America in a lot of ways. It still pervades uh, to this day. Um, it's been there yeah. for a very long time. If and you go so, to Vietnam, you'll see people who will actually cover their face while they're riding their bikes so that they yeah. don't can. And that's a whole thing. And then you drop in on that uh, early European contact and European traders coming to Japan with black slaves and crew members. So we have like the Yasuke stuff Yasuke. going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then we get the American influx. And by that time, Japan had already been exposed to minstrel shows and Sambo and some of these stereotypical characters. But then, like we've been saying, never really have had to have a society-wide education system ingrained discussion about where those came from and why they're not okay. Mm -hmm. um, because for them, they're, they're almost, yeah, just characters that exist in their outside of a lot of other things. They're ahistorical, sort of like a, a tsundere, like you have. They're, they're not just, necessarily even real. I think might yeah. be a good way to put it. it it's, yeah. they're, they're a series of like codes and signals that tell you what type of character they are and what role they're going mm -hmm. to play. And yeah. Like, yeah. it, it, it's like the, um, like the trope that, uh, is the red Oni blue Oni trope, um, mm. that a lot of people like to refer to in anime it's where in, or I can even go even further. The three man band trope, um, is something you will see that I saw, like I grew up when I was watching anime that I would see all the time where it was be three people, one, the leader who was generally mm -hmm. the leader type. I like to punch and hit things Two, you had the brains who was the foil to the leader. I am really smart and I will, you know, be the, the brains of the group. And then you have the heart, yes, the fat guy. <laughs> that's, that's, that's always is the, the heart is either the big guy, the fat guy, the jolly guy, because, you know, you equate hardiness with the size of your body. Cause that's, you know, that's how it works, apparently. You literally look at Asuma's team in Naruto. Exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah. That, no, really, oh, that's God. it. Oh, yeah, God. that's it. What did he say? Yeah, 
yeah, there it is, right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I just, I actually, yeah, what do you think of that's every single team, three team in Naruto. Like kick damage against himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just, I just ruined your whole, your whole outlook of a series you love. No, no, I'm just, I mean, like, yeah, no, I think that mostly because for me it was just like, damn, that was like a really powerful narrative moment when Asma dies, but also, mm-hmm. yeah, that that. Asma's yeah. team embodies that. Yeah, it's 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 such the three. It's the heart. It's the heart, mind, and body trip that you see a lot of times. But that just goes with Emerson is that uh, a lot of times you will, whenever there are characters with dark, it's like a character with dark skin. They're gonna go, oh, we know what they're gonna be. They're going to be the wild character. They're yeah. going to be like, and I'm not even talking. And like just to go like talking about the colorism how you said is a real protective thing. I'm not even gonna talk about about black people in Japan here. I'm going to address not even an anime. I'm going to address a tokusatsu series. Um, so there was a series, um, I forget which, I forgot what, actually it was never adapted in America. Um, there was a series uh, called uh, Q-Ranger, which is all about like uh, zoo animals as a theme for this Power Ranger series. They're all zoo animals. And one char- there was one who was a shark, one who was an eagle, and one who was a tiger. Right. And they had this really unique thing where you would see two versions of them. You see an anthro, like an anthro version of them, like on screen, like you see the shark girl on screen, you see this uh, lion dude on screen. Right. But then you would see them in human form. But when they were in human form, the shark girl, light skinned. But the, the one who was the lion, who was the wild one, dreadlocks and dark tanned skin with yeah. like, and it's like, whoa wait a minute you're looking at this you're like whoa this is this is if you really don't if you like you know look at it you're like this is wild problematic you know because of what they are implying and that's like a very generalized thing you see that characters in manga and in anime the the darker the skin they have is that they are more powerful or they Mm -hmm. are more wild they have no control over their strength they are not the leader type they are the type that the person sends out into the field to take care of everyone. Oh, yeah. Another great example. We're going to go back to Bleach here. Let's look at the let's look at the let's look at the Arancar for a little second. Who was the most powerful Arancar on the on the entire Arancar on the team? It wasn't. Yeah, we all going to look at Dream Job. We're going to think really cool. Oh no, it was the big old dark skinned one that they just dropped yeah. onto the field to take care of all the heroes. Yeah, yeah, he was wild. He was yeah. unchained because he had dark skin. Yeah, and that's it's kind of think, that that animalistic association. Yeah. That too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's important. Very. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Emma. Oh, sorry. And that's like another thing to factor in too is, um, when looking at the situation, you have to remember that like Japan and African nations have a, a relationship separate of America as well. There's a long yes. history of Japan Africa relations and how. Africa is portrayed in the media and that does get blended in because, you know, America has its own and it's all going around. But a big part of that is the, the threat of African nations at one point in time to Japan's like trade relations and international politics. And this idea of like, yeah, the wild animals and bestial Mm -hmm. form. And also, uh, that we saw it in Yasuke, the early fascination with the fact that a lot of the black people they were seeing were much bigger than the average Japanese person. 
And so it became this like terrible stereotype about like being inhuman. And this is something that Japanese racism does to other Asian people as well. It dehumanizes. So the Ainu for a long time were talked about as if they weren't human. They were, well, like it was a slur to call them Inu, like dogs. Like this is just, yeah, that's a thing. (laughs) They even touch, like what you just said right there, like, uh, like they even touch on that in Shaman King. Where in yeah they they do in, his, they, in all of his flashbacks and yeah his, like yeah. And it's like a big character point they were like it was like this internal struggle that Oroho even had was like I can't give in to my violent tendencies I can't become like this violent savage fighter I'm like yeah. no you're not you're horror horror you're the cute fun snowboarder yeah. dude. snowboarder I'm like about? oh damn you got like the coolest like yeah yeah. yeah. I think but it. Like, I think it really plays into like the the ideas of. It really plays into these ideas, and you see this across. I mean, this this is not unique to Japan by any stretch of the imagination. All over Asia, right? You see um, this this problem with colorism. You see it in Bollywood. You see it in in China. You see it in Korea, and you see it also in the, in the commercials, right? There, you can find these horribly awful commercials, and there are these long-standing ideas that are not unique. Um, to any one place in the world, they are kind of a global, unfortunate thing that has gone on anti-blackness and, and blackness being associated with evil and filth and um, all of these other idea, um, ideations that are associated with that. And then lighter skin being associated with purity and goodness and all of this stuff. So there are countless advertisements all across um Asian television and Asian billboards and Asian marketing for skin lightening creams and, mm-hmm. and, and, and other, and, and, and other things. And you see it in, again, South Asia, you see it in, in, um, in, in, in East Asia. It's, it's just kind of one of those very perverse uh, per- pervasive things that like goes across, but also that, that ideal of savagery um, and that association again comes out of those similar ideas that kind of like, primal fear of the dark like what's lurking there and this like animalistic savagery that um that you know something's lurking in the in the bushes and that again is something that we see globally in 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 colorism not just in you know we see it in south america we see it in you know just literally across uh, across the globe this is kind of an idea um that is certainly not unique to uh to Americans, uh, America's brand of racism, uh, but or, or the West's brand of racism by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's just one of those things that we have to parse. But now where we have to, like, I think, connect that to uh, with these ideas is, again, this kind of like dominance of, of Hollywood that is that is, you know, whether we like it or not, they are the leader. They're the ones that everyone looks to for inspiration and you know, what's cool and what's hip, right? Um, you can find, um, I think, again, across Asia, you can find movies and televisions and, and, and thing like that. While certainly everywhere in the world is doing its own unique productions, you will also find many productions that are mimicking what's being done by Hollywood uh, because that's the, the, they're the production leader. And those, and those things then... Uh, take these um, take these ideas just sort of like on the surface, just the visual elements of them or the elements of speech, mannerism and dress 
and and then what happens is is that black people become literal literal caricatures in um in kind of asian presentations and because what are they used to what do they see us portrayed as in 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 the west where we're the villains we're the thugs we're the lackeys um um, we cool are, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're the exactly. cool guy. We're, um, we're the, we're that's, we're the, we're the yeah. pimps. We're like, we're the hustlers. Yeah. <laughs> we are. That's what we are portrayed as in, like, in American culture. And then it just cycles back. <clears throat> like, I, I uh, man. Okay, those who are watching and listening to this podcast, we are not here to ruin your favorites right now. But I'm about to ruin your favorite right now. Okay, think about what we were okay, talking okay, about. Actually, I was gonna say before oh, before we dive oh, yeah. into that. Before we dive into that, there was still one other perspective that I wanted to get, and that was Liana's. Before I want to hold on to that because I do want you to ruin some people's anime. I want you to ruin some. I want you to ruin some fandoms. I'm gonna ruin some favorite because I can't be the only one who's ruining fandoms on this panel. I want a thumbnail of me like Wally breaks the breaks anime. (laughs) I think if we all just do this. or send me a selfie or something. I don't know. But before we before we go into that, because I do want to talk about examples of this. I want to talk about examples of this sort of pervasive sort of stereotyping, this categorization of of black characters uh, and other sort of marginalized characters into these sort of tropes, these categories, these groupings to support a main character. I want to talk about that. But I want to get Liana's sort of perspective on how this has become normalized and the origins of this and the sort of Western exports of these sort of portrayals of blackness, but also sort of the exchange, not only like, not only from like Europe, but also Asia to the West and Europe. Mm -hmm. But I want to, I want to hear your perspective first before we move on to that next one, because I want to make sure everyone here says something. And with apologies to Daniel and Emma, I wanted to bring up Carter (laughs) and our reading of it. Because the Carter books were a wonderfully horrible example of that going in the other direction. Uh, I remember reading through, looking at some of like the Mongolian-esque portrayals and being like, this is exported racism from China. Um, yes, Hollywood is a world leader and, you know, the, they are a huge cultural export. But you send something over there and then, uh, you know, Japan will get their hands on it and they'll do some stuff with it. And then they send their work back and then that will... Like it's a cyclical thing, like something. And I I think people uh, can forget this. American racism is very, is very bizarre for, for lack of a better term. And that it was in many ways, there was a lot of very specific engineering done to kind Mm of support. Mm -hmm. It was very intentional. Yes. 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 Very focused, intentional, at like cruel design, like societal design intended to portray certain peoples in very certain ways. The uh, emasculation of Asian men, for example. They want to divide us. They don't want us yeah. united. They want us divided. They, yes. Yes. The, yep. But the, like that very intentional emasculation of Asian men um, to, to make them seem like not not sexy or virile or, or whatever, you know, 
with that with that very intentional end goal of preventing mixed race children um my existence shows how well that's worked i suppose me too (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. but um and and also just like you can still you can still see some of the scars of those exports too like we mentioned the minstrel shows which japan as msn has had for a long time i remember watching and very much enjoying the bleach rock musicals and oh. and those were musicals Wally. had Tolson in it. We break did you just break Wally? I think so. No, because I remember that that's why. <laughs> and and I was like, cool, they got a dark skinned actor to play him. No, no, they did not. I then saw some of the behind the scenes, and it was a light skinned actor whose skin they had darkened. Same for Zangetsu. Uh I was much more I was much more appreciative of those musicals before I found that out. And that was just a thing. And that wasn't a problem. My dress up darling, which honestly I adore that series, they have that sequence where she uses tanning cream to portray this dark skinned character. Um, I I watched cosplay Twitter where a a white cosplayer is like, okay, just understand, this is not okay, and she got brigaded hard for doing that. Like she had to lock down because of how much hate came at her, and she was white. Like this girl was white, telling other white people, don't do this. So, yeah, but people me, don't like being told what to do, even if what they're doing yeah. is bad. Yep, they never yeah. do. That that that's that is that is Twitter. Yeah, yes. like our our export of minstrelry, it has very very specific U.S. connotations um, mm-hmm. that aren't again always understood in other countries. Spelljammer, but it's yeah. still like it's still harmful. Um, I think I saw in chat, you know, like people mentioned the 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 major Kusanagi um, from the Ghost in the Shell. Oh yeah, how for for us diaspora people, it was like, are you fucking doing this again? And the Japanese audience didn't really see the point because they they have their yes. own media; they're used to seeing themselves in their own role. So it's like, oh, white lady doing our thing—that's kind of neat. Sure, yeah. why not? Yeah. Well, and that's a that's a prime example. I think uh, that one uh, is is another example of again uh, this kind of like global world that we're now living in, where we're going to apply like what we're seeing, right? But that's not going to be the perspective of because you know overwhelmingly Japanese audiences were like, oh, cool, we get to have Scarlett Johansson too in that movie, right? Um, and to us, it's like this hugely problematic thing, uh, um, and so. Uh, um, I think we have this a lot of times this knee jerk reaction to these to these things that's problematic often because we like we like again we're applying our lens to things and 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 again that doesn't mean that we shouldn't we shouldn't raise these issues and we shouldn't talk about them and discuss them but we we need to be able to factor in um, how uh, these other cultures like are engaging with this and feeling about this and factor those things 
into our conversations when we have them, um, particularly when we're talking about uh, uh, um, looking at the way these characters are. And, you know, we're having to assess these things, like you said, this very kind of constructed racism that was designed to turn a class of people into a labor force, a dehumanized labor force. Um, robots, essentially, for 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 lack of a better term, or, or livestock, right? That that is cr- that's crafted, and even once slavery ends, everything is geared with you know the Thirteenth Amendment to maintain that through the prison system, right? To still maintain um, that same thing. It's a very constructed thing, and like you know, both Daniel and Liana said, to divide us, right? To portray the uh, um, Asian man as kind of very effeminate and very uh, very docile and very weak, whereas for African-American men, it is, um, it is very much about, you know, we're, we're the opposite, right? We're the, this power, we're this, you know, these power-hungry, mad, um, over-sexualized beasts with, you know, uh, uh, um, these over-sexualized characteristics and all of these other things, um, again, all in an effort to one create create fear um, and otherness, but then also to to create division. Yep, that's it's like it's it, it's it's like it, like the intent was never there to like there but when you it as it more goes more and more into modern times you see that oh that's the reason why these kind of things are put in it because yeah they're trying our best to keep people at odds with each other so that if they don't realize like oh wait a minute they're the real problem here so why are they trying to keep us divided why well if we work together well you see what happens Mm -hmm. so yeah it's 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 a very racism is scary, y'all. Yeah. Well, like, I think like, we have to scary. like that. That's it's crucial. And I think how also calculated it is. How like, yeah. Yeah. Well, but also I think we have to take into account that like a lot of what we see in Asia is again these kind of core colorist ideas, but also a lot of it is just ignorance, right? It is that it mm-hmm. is that cross cultural ignorance of of not understanding when you know somebody puts on cornrows what that means to someone coming from a, from a Western context, right? Yeah. What, what that means. And, 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 and I think um, there are certainly some portrayals that we see in, in um, Asian media that are like, Oh, rough. But then there are other ones that are just obviously cases of, of ignorance, right? Where that person just, again, was mimicking something they thought was cool, had no idea of the, of the context behind it, because like, uh, you know, like, uh, Emma said, they don't have, um, cult critical race theory there, right? That's not a thing. Um, in Asia, that is kind of a uniquely, uh, uh, American and kind of, you know, somewhat British thing, uh, but overwhelmingly an American, uh, American thing. And, and, and a little bit into Canada that, uh, that is, uh, focused on, on here and even here, people on both sides of the debate get what critical race theory is wrong time and time again. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what it actually is. Um, they, they mess it up all the time. And I see people, like I said, both people who are, are trying to defend critical race theory and people who are trying to tear it down. They get it wrong so often. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I, I think, and apologies for being disconnected a little there, trying to deal with the Twitch chat as well. Um, I have uh, given Liana power. Yeah, um, more power. I don't know what I'm doing with this power either. I'm trying to figure it out. So what is this power? Liana was <laughs> the baby. Now they have power. Yeah, just all the power. I'll give power to all of you folks too if you want it. Yeah. Um, but I gotta go ahead. One Emma. quick thing. We don't have to talk about this for a long time. Just want to put that out there that we keep saying people in Japan just don't know, which is in a lot of ways true. But they're all there are also just straight up racists. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of this stuff is intentional, and it is not okay. So we're not saying here that it's all one hundred percent. No, no, yes. Mm -hmm. Sparkles just misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. No, some of it's just straight up racism. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's important too to kind of draw that line where it's like, don't a the context the broader context can explain something it doesn't necessarily excuse it. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. It is worth talking. We have had these conversations that there is racism in Asian cultures. Colorism is, is a thing that exists within their cultures and is not just, yeah, that, that yeah. export, mm-hmm. like the, the oppression of the Ainu it, or mm-hmm. like it, in, in Vietnam, you know, there's that kind of that distinction between like the Khmer, the Cambodian peoples, mm-hmm. who, or just people who make of... ter- terrible jokes like fancy and jungle Asians, right. Asian yeah. people making right. that joke. <laughs> Ali Wong, yeah, absolutely, yep. yes. It's like yeah. it's like Ali Wong wrote on Fresh Off the Boat, a groundbreaking TV series. First of all, uh, side note, it really sucks what happened to Constance Wu on that show. Oh, yeah. That just came out. Mm-hmm. That fucking sucked. But how did yeah. Ali Wong wrote something incredibly groundbreaking? I got to see my childhood on TV for the first time in live action. How fucking awesome is that? And then for ha- and then have her go and release a comedy special on Netflix where she makes this really racist distinction between fancy Asians being people from China, Japan, and Korea, and then jungle Asians for people in Southeast Asia. It's just, it's a terrible joke. And it's hard. And I think the point that you were making, Leon, and all of us were making is it's really difficult to look at the good things. And I feel like this circles back to even being like a black fan of anime. Mm-hmm. Looking at the good things, looking at that positive representation, and then having the whiplash of dealing with these stereotypes, these caricatures. Yeah. And then the third factor that we've brought into this conversation is also having an understanding of the context of where that may originate, even though it still isn't good in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, well, I think like- that, that demonstrates how like complex, this demonstrates how complex and nuanced these conversations are. Um and, and why we need to have like these these longer form conversations about them because it's it's like like you said this is not going to fit tweet right this is these are these deeper conversations about really uh, what is racism how does racism manifest um, not just in America but around the world or how does colorism manifest and all of these things and 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 there's there's a lot of nuance there when we start to get into a lot of these issues where. Like if someone in America says they didn't know, 
that that uh, that blackface was wrong. You're like, okay, wait, hold on, stop, <laughs> yeah, stop what you're yeah, saying right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to that being said by someone um, um, in in Asia, right? There's going to be uh, considerably less chicks, especially given the context that um, that blackface has had different connotations in different parts of the world mm-hmm. um, in, in different cultures. Right. And so we really need to like, you know, engage in that nuance of, of, of having these conversations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because there was Pilliana talking about, especially femme characters darkening their skin. There's other complicated stuff like, subcultures and movements within Japan because yeah. I brought this up in chat that we're surprised we didn't talk about is uh, Gyaru. Yeah, I was just yeah. about to oh, mention yeah. that. I was just yeah. about to bring it up. Yeah. Very, very good to bring it up since I mentioned Dressa Darling earlier because mm-hmm. um, she is she is Gyaru. Like she's yeah. Yeah. Gyaru. I, I, thing, yeah. Like you see those characters and I recognize them I'm like, oh it's a it's a Gyaru. <laughs> Sorry, Wally, what are you going to it's, say? It's, it's like, it's like, um, because like I was going to bring up the Gyaru culture because one character that a lot of people on the internet have flocked to, have attached to ever since she appeared in the series. I'm going to talk about Rumi Ushigiyama, aka Mirko from My Hero Academia. Like the internet loved her when she showed up. Everyone loved her so much. They said, "Oh man, this badass, this badass person of color." I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Let's 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 rewind a bit and let's really analyze it. Here's the situation. Yes, she's a great character. She's really cool. She's really strong. But Hori did not come from a place of like I want to represent black people in this. No, she's one hundred percent a representation of Gyaru culture, especially if you read. Um, the prequel manga, My Hero Academia Vigilantes, she is 100% a representation of the Gyaru subculture in every single in every single form of fashion. And then you kind of tag in a lot the stuff that we said before, talking about how they represent characters with darker skin, how they are rebels, how they are wild animal-like. That's exactly her character right there. Yes, she's a rabbit, that her distinct is a rabbit. Yes, but her whole, like, her whole thing is she's this powerful, strong, bestial fighter. That's, that's what she is. That's right down the middle. Is what because she is a rabbit. She is yes. an animal. Exactly. Yeah. And, like- but, it's, yeah, oh, I, I'm sorry I ruined your favorites, y'all. I don't want to, but. No, but like, no, I mean, layer to yeah. that of like, for those who don't know what Gyaru is, it's a subculture that really grew out of, like, Shibuya area in Tokyo. Uh, I think in the it started in the 70s and then was really big in, like, the early to mid-2000s. And it's really dropped off, but on the outside, to a North American person, it looks bad because it is young women darkening their skin either heavily tanning or using creams. Uh, one of the big giveaways is if you see a character who's dark-skinned with light lipstick on, or even white lips or white outlines around their eyes, that's a very typical gyaru. Big hair, usually colored, or blonde is a big one. And it it's like Jersey Shore in Japan. And 
I can't explain Jersey Shore at the same time, so just look. <laughs> but what's interesting is it's not seen as blackface or a bad thing. It's it originally came from a place of rebellion. So young women fighting back against the beauty ideals that were pervasive in Japan. So very light skinned, black straight hair, minimalist makeup to no makeup, really refined and muted clothing, uh, being very prim and proper. And so they just went the total opposite on everything. Big and loud, big hair, darkening their skin, excessive makeup. And they've looked a lot to America and American fashion to be the contrast to Japan. Shibuya, Shibuya in general, a lot of the yeah. styles that come out of it take a lot of influence from America too. Like it's not, Absolutely. it's not just, it's not just fiction. Like oh, no, there's yeah. a lot of cultural exchange. Mm-hmm. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a huge yes. thing. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you see that out of, without the context of knowing the Japanese side of it. And it looks very different. It still, it still looks bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that kind of raises an interesting, uh, an interesting kind of point for me in this is that when you look at and and you know, of course, I'm sure everyone looked um, the the um, the link that Daniel shared of the 25. Uh, oh black. god, that oh, I got yeah. so much yeah. whiplash from that link. So much whiplash, but I think. Um, one of the important things that we can look at with that and look at with black characters across thing. And again, this is not something that's unique to Japan. This is true of art and animation in, um, in, in the West, right? If you look at fantasy art, right? Um, all across and you do a search for dark skinned elves or dark skinned, um, um, fantasy characters just in general, right? What you're usually going to end up with is you're going to end up with a lot of characters who are dark skinned, but they are essentially Caucasian people who somebody hit darken on, yeah. right? They do not yeah. have um, um, any sort of, of African features, right? There are those characters that do um, and, th- and that are on that list that do. And I think it's important when we look at like that list of characters that are in both the West and in Asian animation, how they are portrayed when they have more like stereotypical African features Mm. and how they are portrayed when they simply are essentially the standard sort of anime character, but Mm -hmm. darkened or the standard, you know, whatever we in, in the West, but darkened. Right. Um, We get, I think some very different portrayals of those characters based on that with some of the more awful examples um, of these characters being the ones who are going to have the, the over-exaggerated big lips, the, the, the hair, the, all of those sort of traits. Um, Not always, but that seems to be the trend. Hmm. It, yeah, for con- I, I think we should put a give this a little bit of context to the this list that we're talking about because you kind yes. of brought it up and the audience probably doesn't know what we're talking about. Yes, uh, I shared it in our our chat. I'm hesitant to share it in the show notes, but I'll kind of explain what it is. It's just on some 
anime website and they were like, these are the 25 best black oh, characters God, in anime. And it's really bad. And then the person literally prefaces it with, I'm not black. I'm afraid of being canceled. But oh. here's my list anyways. Great and start. Then great, literally start at, up anything. great start. And literally at like the top of the list, like the, within the top 10 are some of the most racist caricatures. Number Sister two. Is number 24. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah. Right, and then like number two is literally Killer B from Naruto. The one oh we my talked gosh. about, what we yeah. talked about a lot in the last episode is being like, oh, the only black character, and he raps really badly, and it, it's just right. See, yeah. I think that was in the, okay. So I'm a I'm gonna go on a bit of a rant here, Dave. And I'm then number sorry. nine is Mr. Popo. Like, I, oh yeah, one of the 25 best black characters I, in anime is I, I, one of the most obvious racist I, I, characters I, 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 and i gotta rant about killer b for a second is what Do really upset what really upset me the most the most about killer b it was the fact that when they made the dub they didn't even bother to give him a good flow or make his yep. raps even better they That's... just kept them as shitty raps so i'm saying hey, you, like, you... you had your chance to fix it somewhat. I, I don't know who well, the, like, uh, I don't know the, the voice the actor, but that would have been a tough challenge. Yeah, even, even in the even Japanese the... version, a bunch of the characters are actually like, he's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's <laughs> joke. But it's, but it's still a racist like, joke. It's a racist. Yeah. It's like, but when it just makes like, it worse. Yeah. Like when you say, oh, he's not that bad. It's like, oh, so he's a bad black rapper you're telling me he's a black person wannabe that's not good it's at not all better. whatsoever yeah. you're not nope, helping your situation not better so i me i'm thinking oh snap when the dub comes out they're gonna at least try to make an effort no they don't no. even try no. to nope, make an nope, effort nope. that's what's even more <sighs> insulting it's like you had a chance you had a little bit of a sliver chance but you missed it yeah. I do. I do yeah. want to say just kind of tangentially, uh, and then I'll also remind us that we've got half an hour to answer questions. And we have questions. questions to. Oh yeah. But um, it's interesting to see how hip hop is showing up with a lot more thought and respect in anime because we recently just had this god tier season where we had two shows with back to back rap episodes that were. Oh Fucking God! Incredible. The, and then the ending yeah. credits to that episode. The ending credits to that episode which of Kaguya-sama really awesome. and, oh. and your boy Kong Ming. Co- which yeah, both, had both on my list. Phenomenal, phenomenal rap episodes with like very intense localization effort into like portraying them. Chica says fuck twice. Twice. It's amazing. They talk about, they talk <laughs> about boys' love in a rap, and Chica says. Multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Okay. So, so do we want to answer some of those questions? No, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Right. So, I was just thinking about your boy Kong Ming is actually on my list, and this was a reminder. It's really good. And like, actually, Kaiyu Osama is another one that's on my list because you keep telling me to. Yeah. You keep telling me to check it out. Um, but yeah, I think we should go into some of those questions. And apologies if there was some background noise. The, the laundry was uh, the laundry was on. Um, yeah. Not my fault. That's all right. Um, now that said, the uh, so if I was muted a bit, uh, that's why. Um, now we had a, a couple of questions we've already touched on. Um, yeah. I think we have definitely. I mean, we could continue to ruin some people's fandoms. I'm totally on board. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's I, 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 break hearts. Yeah, I have a ooh, heartbreaker. Um, if uh, if we want to continue doing that, I'm totally fine with that. Now there is one question that I really think that we should do first. In the event that we just kind of deep dive into it, I think this is the one to deep dive into. 
Um, yeah. And it's really a, a question, and it's very much a, a theme that we've seen in how the Black community can respond to this and be involved in improving this. Um, now, uh, the question is uh, actually came from one of our patrons, Ross, who said, uh, are there any examples of black animators or other members of the black community consulting on or contributing to the portrayal of black characters in anime? And um, I would like to extend this to sort of uh, like manga, webtoons, and also like the cosplay community. Um, so one that comes off of the top of my mind uh, recently, um, my dear, my dearest friend, Austin, linked to me recently a manga that just came out uh that just been announced this came out just recently it's called clock striker and it is done by isaka Gal uh, galadima and the whole thing about it the reason why they linked it to me is it's because it is a manga made by some made by made in japan but the main character is a black girl and it's, it's an engineer series about a black girl engineer that's two things that has never, ever be, been seen in a shonen battle manga series. Is a black Does this look, girl. This one's the character. Shonen Jump Out. If so, I need to check it out myself. Yeah, this looks it's, awesome. It's base. It's a. It looks fantastic, but it is legit. Just taking is taking two things you've never seen in a shonen series as put them in the forefront. And I feel What's like it called again. It's called Clock Striker. Um. And basically, that's what I feel like is the wow. pretty much something like that is the first step to be taken. Like, just do it. Like, so see, do you think the first step see, is a Japanese studio doing that? I feel like the first step with it is, yeah. Like, yes, I feel like more Japanese studios, more Japanese publishing companies, more Japanese creators just need to take the risk. Yes, it could go bad. It could go horrible. But they just need to take the risk and put that put that content out there where they're going, yes, I want to have a black person, an actual black person, be my main mm. character out there and just put it out there onto the internet. Put it out there into the sphere so that people can see it and they can consume it and then they can go, if they can do it, I can do it. And then they continue the chain forward. That's that's how I feel. Is that the the best way to ch make the change is be the change that you want to be in this line of media, and just just do it. Like it may go bad, it may go good. Who knows? But just do it and put it out there so people can absorb it and want to do it themselves. So you're saying that, and I think this kind of touches on a uh, a lot of the conversation from last week, our last episode, when we were kind of talking about. I don't want to put words in our mouths, but we were talking about like authenticity when we're talking mm -hmm. about anime mm -hmm. and, you know, bringing in an audience and why Yasuke needed to be an anime over just an animated series. Yes. Even though being an anime, it was very much a risk that held it back. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it, so you're kind it, of saying yes. same sort of line of thinking, right? You want like a Japanese studio, a big established one. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Shonen Jump, right? Um, yeah. yeah, putting out something where they already have a massive global audience, and because it's coming from Japan, you're saying that because very much like how we're talking about Akira Toriyama and spheres of influence, mm -hmm. 
in industry spheres of influence are going to take these risks because of the success or I, hopeful I success of Clock Strike or something like that. A, another another good example of this would be um, would be uh, Edge Runners, Cyberpunk Edge Runners. The main character is Latino. Like they they make it a point to say yes, this person is not white. They make it a point to say it is not white. But here is the amazing thing about it. The fact of his race does not define the character. That is the risk you need to take. If you really want to make a change and you want to make characters as the forefront, a person of color character, person of color characters in the forefront in your manga and anime, don't model the character around their race. Make the character, make their race and just that part of the character. Does it make the define them? But we need that representation so we can see this character that looks like us in the series. Yes, it can easily be, it's, it's totally, you can swap out the race and left and right, but that's what we need to see. We just need to mm -hmm. see it. That's all yeah. we need. And then it just gets our gears going. May I, may I bring up another uh, example? It's, it's one I, I looked at for conversation. Um, so there's a recent anime by Shinichiro Watanabe, who, as we know, is very um, passionate about trying to portray Black people and culture well. Uh, the deuteragonist of Carolyn Tuesday, the titular Carolyn Tuesday characters, Carol is a Black woman, a young Black yes. woman whose mm -hmm. musical voice is... Um, I don't actually know how, how you pronounce her uh, her her stage name... Um, I'm going to type it out, and if either of you, um, or if any of you really know how to, uh, how, how she pronounces it, because I haven't actually heard it spoken before, right. um, but she, she is a uh, American Black singer who portrays Carol's singing voice, and she's a protagonist. You meet her father at some point, who is a Black man. Um, that's really Carol cool Tuesday's that they name. have a different singing voice from the speaking mm -hmm. voice, and they made efforts to do that. Yeah, Car Carol and Tuesday is kind of interesting too because it it critiques a lot of right wing um, anti anti immigrant, um, mm -hmm. especially in the second. And there's um, there's definitely some conflation since Carol is from Earth, which has become just a complete hellhole. Um, which we kind of already knew from the Cowboy Bebop universe as they are a shared universe. Um, so there are a lot of, and there are typically dark skinned people who are running into big problems with the fascist Mars government over there, um, over immigration and uh, coming over. Um, so it's kind of an interesting conflation of, of taking, taking kind of like black culture, black appearances, but also, um, adding in some of the the more what what we in America would typically consider to be Latin um, portrayals. Um, but That's super cool. I yeah. and for for the Video audience, Bones, it's, a, it's honestly it's a wonderful series. I really liked it. Um, I certainly have critiques, especially with how the yeah. how the um, the agender character is portrayed, mm -hmm. which is. The agender character is very like you tried, and I appreciate that you're trying, but oh, you did not do that right. Watanabe well, yeah. has a habit of of kind of 
like he he's able to make the shot when it comes to like race in anime but when it comes to gender it's just yeah tried and it's a, at it's least a bit messier that, that's yeah, a whole other episode that we've already yeah. got planned so mm-hmm. it's a whole other episode think, we've already I got think, planned. Uh, i think that's one of those functions unfortunately of and that's you know again this is a global thing of representation that representation comes in stages and there's going to be a crap ton of mistakes people are going to make um, um, along the way, particularly when uh, represented marginalized categories are, 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 are new and they don't have a lot of, of, of material to draw from and they just kind of go off of these either overgeneralized stereotypes of what they've seen or heard. But I think for me, I would love, uh, I was going to say to throw out there, of, of both of those are, are, are spectacular examples. I really hope that, like, uh, at some point, like Riza gets involved in a. Uh, oh my I god! In, in oh doing my god! Some oh. kind of a, you know, honestly, some kind honestly, of an anime. It shouldn't be an anime. It should not be an anime. Riza should be involved with a Chinese animation studio. Yes, that would actually oh, no, their animation true, is different. True, true. Very different. Yes, because we don't want to. We don't want to blend the the. You know, we oh, don't want to say that's a whole true. other thing. Chinese, yeah, very true. Wanna, yeah, very true. Yeah, very true. True, yes, but like, but I do vibe with that like i would love to see that crossover into the animation world because we saw the well, the live action film world work out yes and i think i think too like that would be a, a kind of a great notion in this idea that again we are talking about um kind of this global exchange right that is going on um right now and there's influence from you know uh certainly america is is a uh, entertainment juggernaut but but uh, Japan and, and China are both doing a great deal of entertainment output as well as is Korea. Korea as well. I mean, we're um, seeing yeah, over yeah, we're yeah, seeing yeah. overlap with the musical world now. I mean, Ed Sheeran yes. just released a song for Pokemon. Oh yeah. my god, that yeah. music video like had me, it's had great. me like, my little, eyes out from the He's a fan. And he's a fan. Like, like the fact that Little Nas X put out a song for, for League of Legends. Like for League of Legends yeah. is like that's something I would not have expected, especially since yeah. like back to back they were strictly K-pop, and it's like now it's Little Nas X. It's like okay, well, they had their first their first it's big musical song, number was Imagine yeah. Dragons. Yeah, that's so, right. Like, they've yeah. been doing that for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so I like the idea of like music, and for clarity, to to go back to the Shinjiro like Watanabe series, it's not because I had never heard of it, and I was like. It's Carol and Tuesday, not Carol, yes, and, Carol Tuesday. and Tuesday. Carol Carol's and in, Tuesday, yeah. just for yep, the, right. the audio listeners. They're basically um, a, a a indie band, uh, a two a two woman indie band. Yeah. Now, so we've got. It's, it's, really, it's, it's really charming. Like I highly recommend it. it is, honestly, it's a great show. like don't so, don't expect it to be perfect, and it's yeah. kind of schmaltzy. Also, I mean, also, what is music, right? Like, I love it. Also, yeah. if if you're a fan, also if you're a fan of pro wrestling. That line from Botchamania is from Carol and Tuesday. If yeah. you if you are the listeners, if you know Botchamania, you know what line I'm talking about. That's from Carol and Tuesday. Like like I say all the time on my on my on my Twitter feed, you know, progress, not perfection, right? Like mm-hmm. none of these things yeah. are perfect and, and 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 we still have to like critique them and, and take them at the thing, but you know, it's always nice to see that progress in, in one way or another. Even if it fails in others, it's nice to see um it's nice to get see them getting where so long as they're not like completely throwing another marginalized group under the bus right right right. Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah twitter twitter and it's in in all its wisdom loves to castigate those who are not perfect and i 
Yes, but that, that's that's the rage. That, but that's the thing. Yeah. Rage gets attention. Mm-hmm. Rage yes. and the negativity yeah. gets attention. You see it, it all the time. Awesome. Like shout out to like one of the like the best people out there, like Tanya DePass, Cipher of Tear. Like first of all, Tanya is. I've had the chance to work with. I've been working with Tanya on like two projects for the past two years, and Tanya is like one of the realest people ever. Um, but Tanya has. I've I've seen Tanya tweet this, and I've talked about it on the podcast. Tanya has said when something bad happens to me or when I and I tweet about it or when I tweet about something like negative going on in the world, it gets tons of attention. But when I talk about something positive or something that I'm doing that's not related to that sort of negativity, people don't pay attention to it. And Twitter reinforces that like, oh, in order to grow, in order to engage with people because you want that dopamine, like I'm going to yeah. be negative and I'm not going to be constructive because constructive doesn't oh. even help as well. And the algorithm, the algorithms on all social media feed that, right? Because they mm-hmm. put the negative things that people are going to doom scroll in front of them because their goal is to get you to scroll past as many ads as possible, right? So they want you as locked in and as engaged as they want. And what engages people uh, more than people going, oh, you buy this, you know? And it locks people in yeah, or commenting on those things and it locks people in. And, 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 uh, and so the algorithms feed that and it creates this sick, this, you know, vicious cycle where it's the awful things that are pushed to the forefront. And it's the people that are saying the, the very nasty and controversial things that have 5 million followers or, or that are trucking in, in those sort of things. Um, and, and, uh, I mean, I'll be frank with you. I, I, you know, I don't have a ton of followers on Twitter, but I'm surprised I even have the number that I do with uh, the fact that I try and inject nuance into what I'm saying. Um, it, it just shocks the heck out of me daily because I'm like, you know, there should be like two people following me based on the way the algorithm works. You know, <laughs> like, I'm yeah, I think like, there should be more people following you because of the knowledge that you're dropping. I, I, I would like the most viral I've ever gone with a, Honestly, like intentionally, I was trying to be very positive about like this tweet thread about like white people love co-opting Asian stories, but why? Why do you not feel entitled to your own? Um, and like, yeah, oh, if you ever want to see, if you ever want to see white rage on social media in a really hilarious way, there's and I'll find it and I'll send it to you. There's this there's this creator that I follow on TikTok, and she is like. <laughs> So she's like a creator of color and all she does is she makes videos pretending to be a white person, but like doing what white people do when they find like our foods and make it their own. <laughs> it goes to like Costco and is like, I found this and it's like a hot dog and just tries to do what white people do to our food and it just pisses people off. And it's hilarious. The t- the well, that's amazing. Ruin. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it and I'll share oh it with you folks. Oh my gosh. I got I gotta find it, but I I'm not, I can bet I'm like <laughs> That's hilarious. Like laughing at it. Um, That's beautiful. That's yeah. Great. Do you want to try and hit more questions? Yeah. Well, I want. Yeah, I actually yeah. want to hear Emma's recommendation oh, oh, as yeah, well. Yeah. And then I have one too. But I want to hear Emma's recommendation if you got one. Uh, not off the top of my head. I go through a lot of phases where I just rewatch the same things for familiarity, and a lot of the older That's stuff does not have great representation. So. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. I've got one. It's uh, because I saw in our Twitch chat that folks were also asking about video games. 
Um, and we've mm. been talking about this exchange between the East and the West and West and the East. Um, I want to actually recommend a game that's currently in development called Sword of Symphony. So Sword of Symphony is being created by uh, a black indie developer. Uh, and you look it up right now. I see you folks looking it up. Look up Sword of Symphony, and it is essentially a an action RPG based on orchestral music inspired by Japanese oh. action RPGs. Oh, I, and it's I made saw by a solo yeah. a solo dev who is literally doing this in their bedroom, and they post progress oh. about it on like. Is TikTok it what Steven did? Oh, do? nice. Yeah, nice. yeah. And yeah, it is. If you are into games, if you are into like Japanese pop culture and you know, you want to see examples of this exchange done in a really positive way, look up Sword of Symphony. Uh, that is cool. my recommendation. It looks so cool. It's a day one buy for me. It um, does look really interesting. Yeah, and like they release a ton of sort of like short videos about like, hey, I've done this musical. Also, is this like an action thing. rhythm game? It's an like, action was, rhythm game where you make or set playing. orchestral. How could you do this to me? You make combos and it just looks so cool. It's like if you like Devil May Cry, Kingdom Hearts, and you want like an indie game, but with like European orchestral music, made by a black creator. It looks sick. Um, so that that's my recommendation. But um, I, I, I want to real quick before we move on. I just want to point out something that just happened that I think is really important to highlight because we all like kind of everyone here kind of this happened and, and no one commented on it, but I think it's super important to point this out. Emma just a minute ago said, I'm watching all of these older things and they don't have the best representation. And we just kind of continued on with the conversation. Well, and I think it's yeah. super, I think it's super important to acknowledge that because a lot of what people accuse, like what we do and what Daniel does with Asians represent what a lot of us do on Twitter is that we're trying to like destroy or discard all of these things that people enjoy or love. There's nothing wrong with no. going back and watching all of these programs that we all grew up and love that have horrible representation. Yeah, we talk about it all the time. Elements, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but, but the people, audience yeah. knows what my favorite TV show is. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. office. It's my favorite yeah. TV show. <laughs> yeah. And there's some bad stuff in it. I mean, yeah, DBZ and, and, has Mr. Popo in it, and we spent how many dude, minutes talking exactly. about that? My, my, yes. fa my favorite anime of all time is Kaneko Man. That is a really racist series. I don't series. know that one. That is <laughs> yeah. a really racist series, but I fucking love Kaneko Man so yeah. much. But it is yeah. really, really racist. It's not great. Yeah. It's also yeah. What, what is it? What is so it called? What is it's it called, called Kaneko Man. It was called it just Ultimate means Muscle. Like it's called, it's, yeah, it's oh, called Ultimate, Ultimate Muscle. Oh, I know yeah. Ultimate yeah. Muscle. Yeah. yeah. But it is, the original series is really, really mm -hmm. problematic and super racist. But oh my gosh, I love reading that series. I will read that series like a hundred times. But yeah. no, it is bad. It is great. I think yeah. we can't I think we can't say that enough to like Oh that, my like, lord. That, like, <laughs> You know that we have to give that we can have to give these critiques, but that, but I don't that, even feel comfortable sharing that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a rough yeah. one. It's a rough one. Yeah, yeah. like Amazon. Just, just remember that there was a character called there was a there was a character who's a major player in the show called Ramen Man. I'm yeah. just gonna leave it at that. I yep. will just I mean, leave it at that. I know this. <laughs> Series mostly because there is a Jumon Dogu based character. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like, that's my time period. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's, cool. I don't know. It's nice to see better representation, more of yes. it. Also, it's hard because we're talking about like, what do we want to see? It's like, well, in a certain way, it doesn't matter what we want to see because we're a North American audience. Yes. Uh, but we can Very true. ask Japanese creators in the industry to yeah do better and do better particularly well, because and, that, and i said this last pretty, time there yeah, are black japanese people yeah. yeah yeah and this I think isn't can, just like an american audience thing there are black people in japan that need this <laughs> i think i think <laughs> so we I, we can hope that we can we can uh, at least kind of let um uh, uh, western productions know what we yeah. want to see in the type of representation we'll see. And and then again, there will be some of that reverberation of Hollywood then carrying mm-hmm. that forward and that, that translating into other parts of the world. And, and I think we are at the very edge of some of that. We are starting to see some of that happening. Um, I've, I've definitely started to see some changes in not just in anime and Japan, but I've started to see it in, some productions in other parts of Asia in Bollywood and thing where they're, they're again, not perfect. They're not, you know, anything to sing praises about, but they're getting better. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like there's this, there's an interesting thing going on. um, Kind of going back to the rap episodes, like the really good ones. Like it feels like as people, like as creatives are like, wait, no, like this shit is awesome they will more genuinely engage with it. Mm-hmm. And then you will have more pure and respectful art. Yes. So part of it is dropping a lot of the barriers and filters, which the internet has done wonderfully in some, some respects right. and letting people like experience things unfiltered so that they, they want to go to the source so they can have, they want that authenticity, not because they feel like they have to, but because it's cool and they want to do it right because it's cool. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. the more that's there and the more cool it seems, the more opportunities. And this, I don't know if this is fully related, but I have wanted to say it because I was kind of thinking this about Yasuke and how we kind of ripped on that series. And it's something we've talked about on Asians Rep before about Asian creators creating things like uh, how it's not necessarily great, but like, why does it have to be? So... Just taking a risk yeah. on mm-hmm. a more diverse group of creators and productions and then yeah. not expecting it to have to do uh, like 100% it, all the time. It's, it's yeah. kind of like when I when I see, uh, it's kind of like going back when we talked about it before. It's like, yeah, just because it's Studio Mappa doesn't mean it's going to be perfect, you know? It's, it's, like, it, it's like, yes, they will they will tout the name of the studio because that's what's going to draw the names. But if you don't tout like who actually made it, it kind of, it's kind of a very telling thing that they don't yeah. say who made it. They will, think, they'll say the production studio, but they won't say the creator. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point. I think that, that you're making because uh, just to go off on a little tangent, I just went last week to see uh, uh, the woman King uh week before last, sorry to see the woman King. And I think like there's a lot of criticism coming for that film about how it is not um, historically accurate in the way it portrays Dahomey's relationship with slavery and some other uh, historical inaccuracies there. But 
And that's absolutely true. Um, but I will also argue that that film is less about Dahomey than it is about female empowerment. And it's speaking to audiences today, um, very particularly about uh, 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 female empowerment and particularly black female empowerment, um, m- greatly more so than it is trying to tell a completely accurate historical narrative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't have to like it for it to have value. So like, I didn't like Yasuke, but I 100% think it should exist and that it's oh, important. That no. Yeah. Yes. That's I, I, I agree. <laughs> yes. Like it wasn't good. No, but we need, we need stories yeah, like we need, that. We, and we, we need, need more. Yeah. yeah. I think <laughs> Stefan said this right. The, the, um, the woman King, like how many, how many positive portrayals do we have of like George McFucking Washington and Thomas Jefferson? Mm-hmm. 100%. Exactly. Y'all are allowed at least one. That are completely, that are completely ahistorical too, right? Oh, yeah. that, like Absolutely. tons of them. They're everywhere, yeah, right? You know, and, it's, yeah. we're, we, we are allowed, we are 100% allowed our like movies that we are allowed to have our last of the Mohicans and our, and our, and our, you know, last samurai movies. We, we are allowed to have them. Exactly. Let us have them, you know? So, so Let us I have think our totally movies. Yeah. So I, I want to make a point here that I think is super important for us to stress. A lot of this, I think Stefan, you made a really good point of saying progress, not perfection. Really important yes. thing to understand. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, I know that there are a lot of us who, you know, as marginalized people, we're not allowed to make mistakes. We literally opened up the last episode by talking about how we're not allowed to make mistakes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So this tends to, at least from my personal perspective, tends to prime us for not wanting to see mistakes because we're not allowed to make them. Yeah. Yes. Right? It's, it's and because, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say this, like, here was, this was my reaction and I know a lot of folks like privately, I didn't tweet about this or anything. A lot of folks privately I talked to about this. But when that all that shit came came out about Satine Phoenix. Yes. My oh. first thing was like, us Asians, we don't get to make mistakes like that. And Satine right. Phoenix was like one of the biggest Asian creators in tabletop gaming space. And yes. my reaction was like, fuck the community. Like, first of all, like what happened to all those creators? Fucking awful. But also like wider, it's just like, the Asian community. It's like, that was like one of the people who a lot of yeah. Asians looked up to. Right? It, it, it was so, like that reaction of like, you just fucked us for all of You just fucked us over. How could you do that? It, it right? Was, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. the same reaction to Shang-Chi. It's like, the first Asian superhero has got to be a Kung Fu master. God damn it. Right. Yeah, it, that right, was my right, reaction. Right, that was my reaction. Right. But I'm, but mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm still going to buy Shang-Chi merch because I want to, you know, speak with my dollars. Yeah. Right. Yes. Same yes. thing with like, y- you know, um, so that's the, again, that's the that's the whole Satine thing and how I like uh, how I feel about that. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I'm like Yasuke needs to exist. People need to take risks. Consumers also not only need to point out when things are wrong, but also point yeah. out that these things need to exist in the first mm-hmm. place. That's, that's, that's the like that's the important there. little add on. I it's gave like, it a try, and I was like, why does it have to have these yeah. things? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. like it's, you tried. Here's where you where you didn't succeed, but think, right. Let's like keep let's learn from this. Is, like if if it's something you really wanted and it's a letdown, sometimes your reaction is even stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. but I don't yes. want Here's, that reaction to be yeah. uh, taken as yeah. 
uh, the, these things shouldn't be out there because right. unfortunately yeah. those takes get picked up in the algorithm. Yeah. yeah. So and here's Netflix the, and other places really listen to that and then just shut it all down. Here's one of the biggest high, most high, I would say in recent sort of memory, one of the, the biggest, biggest examples of this and it's the Eternals. Yes. The Eternals yeah. is a huge example of big change, big risk, really positive representation on a movie that probably should have been a TV show. Yep. Yes. Yep. 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 And Disney needs to know that like there are some really, there are aspects of that movie that are extremely important to people. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right? Yeah. And even though the movie isn't great, and even though maybe Chloe Zhao's filmmaking sensibilities didn't match with what people were expecting of the MCU. Yes. That doesn't mean that Marvel should stop at yeah. Eternals 1. I yes. liked it. Yeah, right? <laughs> also, Blade was in that fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. Blade was in there that was movie. Also don't, 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 <laughs> make me, don't make me cry because there's rumors swirling around that. Yeah, oh, don't make me cry. Well, the, well, the, director, yeah. well, well, the yeah. director of the Blade movie had to leave because of scheduling conflicts because yeah. things have been dragged on. Well, my also, only apparently there about are, Blade is it's rating. That's my there, only There are... There are there are reports that uh, that uh, the 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 script only has two action scenes and and that uh, yeah, the lead actor's not mid. happy. He's pre- yeah that that he's not happy with the way it's mm-hmm. going before they even. But, but anyway, I think Daniel though one thing you touch on that's really really important. I think you touch on an important thing that kind of goes across the marginalized experience. And and when you were when you were mentioning it before, the the first thing that popped into my mind. Were these images that were all over the news and that you'll still see in in in, in um, retrospective sometimes of African Americans cheering um, at the uh, O.J. Simpson verdict? Oh my um, gosh! O.J. Yeah. Simpson was found, and like, and and the way it, it gets contextualized a lot of time in the mainstream media is very different from what was actually going on there, where it's, all you really had was this essence of African-Americans really being thrilled that fuck yes, we won a court case finally. Right. Like in a high profile one, it, it didn't have anything to do with the actual particulars of the case, but yep. the overall kind of systemic issues of, of, of the justice system in yeah. America. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and it goes back to these, kind of ideations of of as marginalized peoples we are put in these these kind of positions where um we're kind of cheering for things that may seem like odd things mm-hmm. that that yeah. we're that we're celebrating i mean we we, because, we saw that very recently with the with the johnny depp amber heard trial they both yeah. seem oh, like wow. really yeah. bad people but so a lot lovely. of a lot of folks were like yeah men can be abused too it, it's because the thing right. is with, with with the oj simpson thing is like did we know he did it? Yeah, we knew he did it. The entire yeah. black community knew he did it. But guess what? A black man got over the white justice system and lied his way ass out of a court case. So we are taking that as the biggest yep. that's win, a win ever. But we're yeah, like, that's oh, a no, win no, for no. us. Like, right? Yeah, He did it. But we are taking this win after yeah. so many years of it. We're taking this win. It, no, it's a yeah, and we're like, it's, yeah, it's it's an, it was awful. It was messed up. But how many black people right now are sitting in jail for things they did not do? Johnny Cochran died we joked about it that there was this attention of the black community of like shit there was that no it's true because he was so far the only black lawyer that ever did that for us so we're like 
oh boy, we don't have another Johnny Cochran anymore. We got we got to be on our you best. Don't, you don't get many of these moments. And yeah, that was the point, right? Yeah. You don't get these moments. You kind of have to pick and choose, even if there's some negativity in there. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, honestly, the mainstream reaction to that whole thing is very like white racist people. Being- <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Racist. yes. But now, now, now that said, we we have run out of time. I believe that we have actually touched on all of our questions and in one one way or another, another. we have definitely over the past four hours of conversation gone over all of those five questions, um, which honestly, I'm, I'm really happy we did. I think that even though we framed this as like a wall is going to break your heart sort of episode, or this is like, Hey, we're going to talk about some, some negative things. I think we ultimately, this was a, positive learning experience for like me I'm sure for for the rest of you for our audience yes. because really this is um a conversation about nuance context and the importance of praising positivity calling out negativity but at the same time being constructive about calling out negativity because yes. i think ultimately the answer to how can we have better representation whether it be black characters in anime or Asian cultures in campaign settings like her tour um, is us speaking up, but actually taking action and showing how we can come to these solutions. Uh, Now I again want to thank you for, for joining me for this episode. The the door is always open on Asians represent. Um, If there is ever an episode that we, and I know Liana, you are. I know we're already. We've already got some episodes lined up, and we have a whole other thing we're going to talk about. Um, but to the four of you, and I'm to Navar, Daniel in a room and making him. Uh, no, we can't talk about that. We can't talk about. We can't talk about that. We, we can't talk about that yet. Making um, him permit me to talk a lot at him about things I think he should be doing. There, not, okay, I want to clarify. Liana can. Liana and I always talk, but this is like a. Liana is put, sitting me down to me like you are listening to everything. <laughs> um, so this is uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I mean, you know, I'm on board with what we have planned as we speak very ambiguously about this thing. Uh, it's just a logistical thing that we have to sort out. But um, yeah, I'm really grateful for for all of you and for Navarre. I actually had a really great conversation. And I want to talk about it on the podcast as we kind of end this. Uh, I had a really great conversation with Navarre the other day just about like getting into the tabletop games industry and finding your niche and um, you know, people who you could trust, who, who are allies and about your intentions with joining an industry where there is very little money in tabletop games compared to the, the rest of the games industry. And a lot of people who work in this industry do it for the passion and because they love it. And also because, I mean, obviously you can run a business very successfully in tabletop games, but also people do it because they want to see games that they didn't have when they were kids. They want to inspire the next generation. And so when I see folks who are really bringing cool shit into the industry, like I'm, I'm on board to signal boost that I'm on board to talk about Valorous games every single time I can, every single time anime comes up literally on this podcast, I talk about Liana's game. If it's like, Somebody asks me, oh, like, do you want to, like, cultural consult on this thing about Japan? I'll say no, but you know who might? Emma. Um, (laughs) Or, like, if somebody's going to ask me for, like, okay, um, you want to do an anime episode? 
I will, of course, still ask John, but I know that I've got Wally here and I know that Wally's got some incredible perspective to bring. I would not have learned as much about, you know, Piccolo's adoption in the black community if not for Wally. Like, I'm really glad we met. I also love that you wore a DBZ shirt or just a Dragon Ball shirt. I can't <laughs> yeah, see I just it. really There's... like this shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you planned that. You know where I got this shirt at? I got this shirt at Old Navy of all places. They do oh, some, they, they, they yeah. do some like, like, yeah. they, they do have some good shirts. Um, and like, you know, if I, if I am looking for somebody to have a really nuanced and especially like historical perspective on how people are portrayed in media, I'm going to talk about Stefan. Right. Um, there are like lots of good people in tabletop RPGs. And while we talk about some negative things, we always talk about how to be better and how to be yeah. constructive. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we're able to do this is because of our amazing patrons. We have some awesome folks who you know really support us. And there are a lot of patrons and I want to put all of their their names in the, uh, the show notes and on YouTube. So I'm going to put all of the patrons names. Uh, on there because there's just too many and honestly i'm kind of getting a little emotional over this stuff because this is like a really good episode so i'm sorry i didn't do like a sort of a patron outro like i usually do but i'm i'm really excited because i actually i just i'm a little distracted because i'm thinking about clock striker um because That's i'm good stuff that looks really yeah, i'm super excited to I'm, just kind I'm of put so my money into it it needs to be there like i'm now. gonna i'm gonna fucking buy it like i'm gonna buy yeah, it when it comes out because like honestly like not only did like Emma, you mentioned like the black community in Japan, um, but also I'm thinking just about like all of the young kids who are going to read that and be inspired to go into STEM. Yeah. Right. And I think that's really cool because I don't know if there's an anime or manga series out there that does that. The, the, closest, we, the, the closest we have is Dr. Stone. Dr. Stone is the closest we have to it. Yeah. And, and I and I think that's not as it's not gonna be as impactful as it, it, something it, like a shonen series. Like I, this. I, I, I don't I know like, Dr. Stone yeah. is, is shonen, but like Dr. Stone is shonen edutainment and it, like yes. yeah. it's a lot of fun, but it's very it's very clearly edutainment. But not like Clock Striker is just gonna pure inspiration. It's going to be the Dragon Ball for a new generation. I yeah. really am hopeful for that. And that's why I'm kind of like, I'm kind of all up in my feelings right now because I'm like, I wish I had that when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I wish I had like a, I mean, the, the adult me just has Glenn from The Walking Dead. Although like, I'm super hyped for that. Um, but like, yeah, I'm just super excited about Clockstrike and I'm just really grateful that you brought that up, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but that said, one these, like... One of these days, Daniels, we, we should do an all-Asian, like, um, adventure archaeology adventure. It's going to be so boring. It's going to be so boring. It's going to be, like, we're going to stand on, like, on, like, a hill, and there's just going to be trees and bushes everywhere, and we're just going to hope that this is where the site is. And we're going to spend three <laughs> months digging and then realize that it's not there. Or you're going to be um, like me. And you're screening backfill. And yeah. <laughs> or like, or you're not going to realize that like 90% of your work is actually not going to be in the field. And you're going to be in a lab looking down a microscope, which is what I did. Right. I spent a lot that of time. In the field. I actually, I, I actually spent a lot more time in the field than most people. Um, but like still a lot of time in a lab or like a lot of time in like a warehouse alone, sorted through dusty bags of pot shirts. Well, yeah, or if you you're like, a, you just brought in a wound here. <laughs> yeah, you just really brought in a wound here. Or my most embarrassing arc 
not not yeah not my my most embarrassing professional archaeology moment was thinking that I found a sword. Oh no! A wall. Ah. Wall. I don't know if Leon, Emma's definitely heard me talk about this. Emma's talk heard me talk about a lot of embarrassing archaeology stories. But I'll yeah, tell when you say the, the most, I'm like, this is not the most, but the most is the most is not appropriate for this podcast. Um, uh, but this one is academically, intellectually, also very is a wound that I have. So on a dig, I thought I found a sword, and we were like. I have a picture. I'll share it. I think I might have shared it on my Twitter recently, but I was like, I was like eight feet down. Like I was deep. And we had uh, been excavating a house in this uh, town called Madaba in Jordan. And the square that I was supervising, we had like basically in the exterior section, like basically the porch of an Iron Age house. And the door had been barricaded by rocks. And we couldn't actually excavate past the door because there was a walking platform on the site that went underneath the door and there was a mosaic above it from a different layer, a different strata. And if we had excavated the door, we wouldn't actually be able to, and I know my camera got blurred. Um, we wouldn't it's actually- like too much archeology. span I know, <laughs> we, we wouldn't actually be able to study the mosaic above it. So there was this mystery and it still is to this day. But outside the door, we found things like human teeth, uh, like like arrowheads, and so I in my mind I had this pit, really dramatic picture of like like they barricaded up this door. There was some conflict, um, like how archaeology is portrayed in the media. And as we were digging, I found a piece of corroded metal that I thought was the hilt of a sword, and I was really excited, so excited that I called the director of the dig over and oh, I may no. have made too big of a scene about this. And I said, as I do, I'm very bombastic. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I was like, I think I found something awesome up until this point. I had found some really cool things. Like I found a little bone D six. That's actually still in a museum. Uh, it was a Roman D six. I found like a, some cool pendants. Uh, I found a, um, in China, once I found a figurine that was definitely like a very, uh, uh, um, uh, that had big boobs, uh, and awesome. I got it. Yeah. It was a very, a very buxom figure, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and I got into an argument with an archaeologist there. They were like, "Oh, it's an animal it's for shamanistic." I'm like, "These, these, these are boobs." Uh, but anyways, uh, I called the director over, and I was like, "Okay, I think I found this. I think I found a sword." And then they called everyone over and they were like, okay, we're going to do this thing. Long and short of it, like painstakingly kind of like uncover it. And it's a piece of fucking rebar. <laughs> uh, and so if you're an archaeologist, like the, the implications of this are like heartbreaking. Yeah. Because yeah. it means yeah. that like the entire Context layer that we were digging packed. in was yeah. contaminated yeah. by yeah. modern garbage. And what we found there was basically meaningless. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And it, so like it happens all the time. Like I've had like colleagues who find like big oil drums like inside there as they go down. But like for me, it was like I called everyone over and then showed everyone my mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we opened up a wound. We opened up a wound apparently to end the episode. But um, if we want to do an archaeology one, we'll definitely make it real dry. 
It's like oh, roll you to apply. See archaeology roll, conversation. <laughs> roll to apply for funding. Oh my god! But with disadvantage. Disadvantage every with, with time. Disadvantage and, and make sure you It's just like every them. every marginalized character at the table roll for funding, but only one of you gets it. Like it's you know it. It'll be it'll it'll trigger a lot of people, including myself. <laughs> Academia. Yeah, uh, and yep. that is why I left. But that said, I want to thank you for for joining me for this conversation, especially you, Liana, for bringing up these old wounds. Um, <laughs> but no, I really appreciate all of you. I appreciate the conversation. Uh, again, big takeaway from this episode. Uh, this is from Stefan, and I will always quote this as a Stefan thing. Progress, not perfection. Representation comes in stages. We will make mistakes, but it's important yes. to not only critique, but provide constructive feedback on how we can move forward. Um, Absolutely. That said, thank you everyone for joining us for this episode of Asians Represent. Thank you to my guests, socials, all of our amazing patrons who you know, support this show. I'm going to put that information uh, and credit you folks in the show notes and the YouTube video. Uh, and on the audio feed. Um, that said, you know, thank you, everyone. You folks, thank you for joining me. Let's do this again. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Bye, everybody. Peace. Bye. Bye. Bye.